Welcome to the Jazz Focus. You are listening to a jazz podcast that is dedicated to exploring some of the back corners of jazz recorded history. Hopefully some things you haven't heard uh, that may lead you on to some other things as well. My name is John Clark and happy to have you here. If this is your first time, welcome. If you're a returner, welcome back. So today we're going to be listening to some live recordings that were made by a pretty important band in traditional jazz. What is traditional jazz? Well, traditional jazz is a type of uh, jazz that really started in the late 1930s, early 1940s. Uh, there are a lot of names for this type of music. Uh, some are more appropriate than others. Uh, the, the sort of generic catch-all term is Dixieland, uh, which, like most generic catch-all terms, sort of uh, smooths off the, uh, the edges of the different styles. It's also called traditional jazz, New Orleans jazz, some people call it Chicago jazz, all kinds of things. Uh, in the 19, late 1930s, uh, musicians started looking back at the beginnings of jazz history, and people started writing about it, interviewing earlier jazz musicians, uh, the development of uh, the long play record in the late 1940s and early 50s hastened the introduction of collections of early jazz music where you could take, um, for example, all the recordings of Louis Armstrong's Hot Five and put them on three or four LPs, two or three actually, uh, and have everything in your collection right there rather than haunting Goodwill stores and, and places that sold out-of-print 78s. Uh, by the late 1930s, there were some recording companies still issuing 78s that were... Um, bringing out uh, reissues of some of the early recordings from the 1920s and earlier 30s by uh, people such as Louis Armstrong and King Oliver, Jelly Roll Morton, some of the uh, founding members of the jazz recording fraternity. And I have to say fraternity because there weren't too many women doing that unless you look into the classic blues, which of course is an important style as well with Bessie Smith and Ma Rainey. So by the late 1930s, you have the emergence of jazz scholars and writers. Most of them were academically uh, oriented, although they weren't necessarily professors or academics in the strict sense. They were um, uh, magazine writers, promoters, enthusiasts. Uh, some, such as Marshall Stearns, was an English professor. Uh, and there were a lot of different backgrounds going on there. And many of them, including uh, a fellow named Bill Russell, who was a, a violinist, uh, did amazing early work in interviewing some of the musicians from this period, uh, some of whom didn't live much longer, so it's a good thing that he did. If you're interested, go on the Hogan Archive of uh, Tulane University, Music Rising, and you can listen to a lot of the oral history uh, interviews that Bill Russell did in the 1940s, uh, late 1940s, all the way up into the 1970s, I think. So, what did this mean for jazz? Well, it meant that the new generation of musicians coming up were not only interested in the new thing in music, which at the time was swing and soon giving way to bebop, these musicians started listening to earlier styles, as I said, Louis Armstrong and so forth. Uh, they also began listening to some of these earlier style musicians who hadn't recorded, like Bunk Johnson and George Lewis, who uh, were brought out of, in some cases, enforced retirement, uh, or in some cases just... Uh, uh, laboring in the, in the, in the mines of, uh, of, of commercial music in New Orleans and Chicago and different places in the 1930s, and they were given chances to record uh, under very nice circumstances with uh, usually some very good bands and an attempt to recreate the earlier styles of jazz. And so these younger musicians, most of whom were white, by the way, um, 
began to put their own groups together to create this type of music as well. And first among them, uh, primary among them in the uh, first blush of traditional jazz was a cornet player named Lou Waters, who uh, was enthralled with early jazz, particularly Jelly Roll Morton and King Oliver. And he put together a band in the early 1940s uh, that featured some like-minded musicians like Turk Murphy and uh, Bob Helm and people like that to uh, recreate the music of those earlier New Orleans stylists as best as they could understand it. Uh, and they would periodically bring in some uh, older musicians as well, such as Bunk Johnson, and then later on people like Yubi Blake and so forth to, to sort of encourage them and uh, tutor them in earlier jazz styles. And they were a very popular band in San Francisco in the 1940s, with a little bit of time out for World War II when Lou Waters and Turk Murphy both were uh, in the service. I believe they were both in the Navy. Um, but then they started getting back together in the late uh, middle to late 1940s. They played at a couple of different places, the Dawn Club and uh, some other places in San Francisco as well, and they amassed quite a following as well as recording quite frequently. So in about 1950, that band broke up for a variety of reasons, and Turk Murphy went out on his own. He had uh, been putting together bands, on odds and ends bands at different times before that, but in 1952, he started his group, the Turk Murphy Jazz Band, and that stayed pretty much consistently from 1952 until Turk died in 1987. We are going to be focusing on a short period, indeed a short period, it was only a couple of days actually, in May of 1968, and Turk Murphy brought his band to Massachusetts, uh, to Concord, Massachusetts, in fact, and this uh, produced a couple of concerts. It was uh, promoted by a, a, a local musician named Sandy McCone, who had a traditional jazz band in, in the Boston area, particularly in Concord, and uh, he uh, brought the Turk Murphy Band to a couple of different years. This was the first time, I believe, they brought them in, in May of 1968, and they did a couple of uh, live concerts. One was at the Miscataquid Club, it's an outside concert, and the other was at the Concord Armory. Uh, and both of these were recorded, and remarkably well recorded, actually, considering the fact that they were all done live, and we get a really good sense of what the Turk Murphy Band sounded like on stage. This was an unusual version of the Murphy Band, uh, personnel-wise. Uh, when Murphy founded his band in 1952, he got away from the Lou Waters model, which was uh, the eight-piece band, a two-cornet band, um, sometimes a nine-piece band, with two cornets, trombone, clarinet, piano, one or two banjos, uh, tuba, and drums. Murphy uh, pared that down considerably. His first bands were uh, cornet, himself on trombone, clarinet, uh, piano, banjo, and tuba. And that was sort of his classic lineup. He didn't care for drums for the most part, although the group we're going to hear today does feature drums. In fact, it features a, a remarkable drummer named Smokey Stover. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, Murphy's band worked consistently, so he had very stable personnel until he took it in mind to change the personnel, or somebody left, or occasionally died, or something like that. So I'll tell you the personnel here. The trumpet player, Cornette actually, was a man named Ed Johnson. I don't know much about Ed Johnson. He spent about a year, a uh, year and a half with the Murphy Band at this time. He was kind of an interim figure in between uh, a couple of the better known players in the, in the Murphy Band, um, but his playing is quite good, as you will hear. I think from the pictures I've seen of him, he's probably on the older side. He must have been in his 60s, if not 70, by this point, so he may have retired after that. Then we have Turk Murphy on trombone and singing. He also was responsible for the direction of the band, the arrangements, and the repertoire selection. He was an excellent band leader as well as a player. 
We have Jack Crook on clarinet and bass sax. There's some very good bass sax coming up. He sings a bit, although not on any of the tracks we're going to listen to. Pete Clute was a piano player. He had replaced uh, Murphy's original piano player, Wally Rose. He had studied with him. Uh, a very good ragtime and uh, edging into stride piano. Bill Carroll was on tuba, and Smokey Stover was on drums. No banjo in this band. And also we will hear Pat Yankee, who was the featured vocalist in this band for quite a while. So... We're going to hear four tunes to begin with, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the individuals in the group as well. We're going to hear a version of uh, the Louis Armstrong tune, Cornet Chop Suey, featuring, obviously, Ed Johnson, and you'll get a sense of his playing and his abilities on cornet. Following that, we'll hear a bass sax feature on My Honey's Love and Arms, pop tune from the 1920s. Then... Turk Murphy and uh, Pat Yankee will do a vocal duet. They were uh, renowned in live performances for some of their comedy novelty vocals, and uh, this is on the standard tune, I Can't Give You Anything But Love. Following that, Pat Yankee will be featured uh, exclusively on Oh Daddy, a tune uh, associated with Bessie Smith. And then we're going to end up that set uh, with a little bit of uh, Pete Clute feature on the Jelly Roll Morton tune, King Porter Stomp. So... Here we go with uh, the Turk Murphy Jazz Band from May of 1968, Cornet Chop Suey, My Honey's Loving Arms, I Can't Give You Anything But Love, Oh Daddy, and King Porter Stomp. Thank you. 
Well, a gentleman in the band, his name is Jack Crook. He's the guy who plays this strange-looking contraption that, that uh, Sandy McCone calls a vanishing bit of Americana. Actually, the guy playing it is the same boat. His name is Jack Crook, and here's a tune that Jack does called My Honey's Loving Arms. That's a sewer pipe, and you know it. Thank <laughs> you. 
entitled, I Can't Give You Anything But Love. I can't give you anything but love, baby, that's the only thing. Baby, but I dream wild, scheme wild. Yes, should I find happiness? And I guess all those things you always try for. Gee, I'd like to. I'd like to see you looking swell, baby. Here's your raw material, baby. Decent haircuts. Whoa, what doesn't sell, baby? Till that lucky day, you know darn well, baby. I can't give you anything but love. Kiss me. Baby, that's the only thing I've plenty of. Nothing. Baby, dream a while, scheme a while, you're sure to find happiness and I guess all those things we've always dreamed of. Gee, I'd like to see you looking swell. Sock it to me, honey. Diamond biscuits, no work doesn't sell. Baby, Till that lucky day, you know darn well. Yippee! Baby, I can't give you anything but love. But guff, what? Baby, talk like that can make you sound so rough. But I'm such a You're such a what? You won't work, you big jerk. Watch it, Angel. The red is due. Why, when poor old Turk goes to work, all I get for dinner is cold beef stew. Ooh, ooh. Gee, I'd like to. I'd like to hit you on your big head, baby. There have been times I've had to just kind of blast you out of bed, baby. Why didn't the doctor say I was half dead? You're not kidding. Baby, <laughs> I can't give you anything. Cold beef stew, possible stew. I can't give you anything. Nothing but love. Nothing but love. Nothing but. 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 Baby. Just like a flower, I'm fading away. The doctor calls to see me every day, but it don't do me no good. Why? Because I'm long for you. And if you care for me,
there we have a live version of the Turk Murphy Jazz Band, Concord, Massachusetts in May of 1968. We started out with the Louis Armstrong feature, Cornet Chop Suey here, featuring Ed Johnson. And again, I don't know too much about him, but he was clearly a, a fine player in the tradition. Then we heard My Honey's Love in Arms, and you heard Turk's uh, uh, introduction at the beginning of that. Jack Crook was his reed player at the time. He was with the Murphy Band for a couple of years at the end of the 60s. This, as I said, was kind of an interim, um, a little bit unusual, and uh, one that might not be terribly well known to uh, Turk Murphy devotees even, because I don't think this band recorded any studio sessions. This might be actually the only uh, document of this band's existence. And Jack Crook here played bass sax as well as clarinet. And then we went on to a uh, vocal novelty feature, I Can't Give You Anything But Love, which was composed by Jimmy McHugh and Dorothy Fields, although speculation is that it was actually a Fats Waller and Andy Razaf tune that they sold to Fields and McHugh. There are some additional lyrics, presumably written by uh, Turk Murphy himself, that he delivered with Pat Yankee. Pat Yankee was a, an actress and a dancer uh, who had made, I think, some films in the, in the 1950s before she ended up going with uh, Murphy's band and being their featured vocalist at different places. Um, and uh, you can tell some of the high spirits and the, and the fun that this band had on the bandstand with the announcements and with that tune as well. Then we went to Oh Daddy, which was a feature for Pat Yankee. She knew how to really deliver a classic blues tune. Uh, that was uh, a song that uh, Bessie Smith had recorded in the 1920s. It was composed by Ed Herbert and William Russell. A number of the classic blues singers recorded that. And here, uh, this was an excellent feature for Pat Yankee. Following that, we uh, ended up, actually, with uh, a Jelly Roll Morton composition of great vintage, even by 1968. It was the King Porter Stomp, which Morton had composed as a piano solo at some point, probably during the 1910s. He first recorded it in the early 1920s as a piano solo, and then, of course, it uh, came to great prominence in the Fletcher Henderson arrangement. He recorded it a couple of times, but Benny Goodman recorded it in 1935, and generally that's the song that is considered to be the launch pad of the swing era in 1930. And uh, you get the, a little bit of a sense of the swing part of that at the end with the out chorus and the shouting uh, back and forth call and response of the Murphy Band. So we heard some very fine Pete Clute in there as well, and we're going to feature him on the next tune coming up uh, as well. So Turk Murphy was born in 1915. As I said, he uh, was early on attracted to classic jazz, we would call it, jazz of the 1920s and, and before. And uh, even though he was playing in some traditional swing bands in the late 30s, he and uh, some of the like-minded players like Bob Helm and Lou Waters and Wally Rose and people like that sort of coalesced out in the San Francisco area by the late 30s to start uh, investigating this earlier style of music. And as I said, they all recorded with Lou Waters' band extensively in the early uh, 1940s before World War II interrupted and Murphy went uh, into the Navy. He actually composed uh, a number of his better-known tunes in the Navy on uh, troop ships in the Pacific, apparently. We're going to hear uh, an original Turk Murphy tune coming up in a few minutes, probably in the third set, but uh, he uh, added quite a bit to the repertoire as well. So, we're going to listen right now to another Jelly Roll Morton tune. One Jelly Roll deserves another. This is called The Pearls and was a piano feature for Morton, although he uh, did a very memorable band recording of it with his Red Hot Peppers in 1928, I think it was, with Johnny Dodds and Baby Dodds, among others. And uh, we're going to hear the Turk Murphy version of this, The Pearls. 
Following that, we're going to do a blues tune that was credited to Clarence Williams, although probably was uh, composed by someone else, we don't know who, but Clarence Williams published it and recorded it uh, with a band that he called the Red Onion Jazz Babies in 1924, featuring Louis Armstrong, and uh, in this case I think it was Buster Bailey on clarinet, and this is called The Terrible Blues. After that, we're going to have a Turk Murphy vocal feature on a traditional New Orleans tune called I Wish I Could Shimmy Like My Sister Kate, which is usually credited to Armin J. Perone, the uh, violinist, and also Clarence Williams, although both Kid Ory and Louis Armstrong claimed that they wrote that tune uh, earlier in the 1920s, uh, and it was a semi-dirty tune called Keep Off Katie's Head, which uh, Ory recorded later in life as well. Then we're going to end up with one of the two tunes composed by Turk Murphy. I actually said there were, it was just going to be one. We're going to do two, the last tune of this set and the first of the next one. The tune we're going to finish up on was a, a showpiece that uh, Turk composed for himself called the Trombone Rag. The story goes that he got tired of other trombone players coming to sit in and play uh, his band's repertoire with him, so he decided to compose something that would scare them away, and this is a, a, a pretty... Uh, virtuosic showpiece within the tradition, the trombone rag. So we're going to hear the pearls, the terrible blues, Sister Kate, and trombone rag. We'd like to once again play one of Jelly Roll Morton's great tunes. This is one that features piano by Pete Clute. It's a thing called the pearls.
Went to a dance with my sister Kate Everyone there said she danced so great I realized a thing or two Then I got wise to something new I looked at Kate, she was in a trance Then I could see it was in her dance All the boys are going wild About my Katie's dancing style Now I wish I could shimmy like my sister Kate She shakes it like jelly on a plate My mama wanted for to know last night Why all the boys treated Kate so nice All the folks in the neighborhood Knew she could shimmy and it's understood I might be late but I'll be up to date When I can shimmy like my sister Kate don't mean old Jack Crook Shimmy like my sister Kate singing next to me
There we have a very flashy trombone solo by Turk Murphy, and that's the trombone rag, following Sister Kate, which was a vocal version featuring Turk all the way through, singing the verse and the chorus. We started out with the Jelly Roll Morton tune featuring Pete Clute on the piano, and that was called The Pearls, and then went to the blues tune, The Terrible Blues, that had been recorded by the Red Onion Jazz Baby. So, a reminder of who's in this band. Ed Johnson is on cornet, Turk Murphy, of course, on trombone and vocal, Jack Crook on clarinet and bass sax, Pete Clute on piano, Bill Carroll on tuba, and we heard him featured quite nicely on Terrible Blues, had a lovely sound. Smokey Stover was on drums. Now, Smokey Stover was an interesting player. He came up playing Western Swing. I believe he was from Texas, uh, and he started playing with Bob Will's band in the 30s, the mid to late 1930s. I think he was his first drummer. Um, and Will's was an innovator in Western Swing in that he introduced drums into his band. Uh, he was the first group to appear at the Grand Old Opry in Nashville uh, with a drummer on the stage, and that caused quite a stir. I think it actually was Smokey Stover in that case. So any of those uh, Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys recordings from the late 1930s, mid late mid to late 1930s, probably feature Smokey Stover. After that, he went uh, and lived in, I believe in San Francisco, uh, did some uh, defense work during the war, and then when he came out of that retirement, he played with a lot of jazz groups. He did go back and play some Western swing and bluegrass music as well, but uh, you can hear him playing on a lot of uh, jazz recordings and Dixieland recordings from the West Coast. Uh, I believe he played with Joe Sullivan for a while, and uh, certainly with Turk Murphy, and uh, he can be heard on quite a few other recordings as well, uh, all the way up into the 1970s. I'm not sure when he passed away. Um, there are actually a couple of different musicians named Smokey Stover. One played trumpet, I think another one played bass and drums. Uh, he was also on the West Coast, but he was a younger musician as well. So we're going to keep going with Turk Murphy. As I said, Turk's band uh, stayed in business from 1952 until he died in 1987, and there have been some other groups led by Bob Schultz and different people who have either used the Turk Murphy name or uh, kind of recreated that stylistic feel and even used some of his arrangements. Uh, one thing about this band is it was not a, a, a disorganized jam session type of band. We could hear from uh, tunes like Trombone Rag and The Pearls and King Porter Stomp. There are some very intricate arrangements going on here, and clearly the musicians were, um, I imagine they were reading for a while, although they probably committed it to memory. They uh, played constantly through the course of the year. You could actually stay gainfully employed with Turk Murphy, unlike with most jazz bands at the time. So we have three more tunes. Uh, the next one is another Turk Murphy original. Not one of his better known ones, but a pretty neat tune, I think you'll agree. Uh, very compelling rhythm. Starts out with bass, sax, and tuba, and it's called The Grump. And this tune was recorded commercially a couple of years later, but with a slightly different band. By that point, Phil Howe was playing clarinet and Leon Oakley was playing cornet, so a little different feel there. But this is a, an early version of this tune, I believe, and a uh, pretty, pretty, pretty funky version as well. Then we're going to have another Pat Yankee feature, and this is a tune, I'll let her do the introduction to it, uh, that was introduced to her by Turk Murphy, and it's called Was I Drunk? Was I, was, he, was I Drunk? Was He Handsome? And Did My Ma Give Me Hell? So we'll issue the disclaimer right before that. And then we're going to finish up with a jazz standard by Artie Matthews called The Weary Blues. So these are our three tunes by Turk Murphy's jazz band, The Grump, Was I Drunk, and The Weary Blues.
that I always say that Turk gave to me, and it, it's a marvelous tune to do because it's sort of the or origin of the Irish. It's entitled, Was I Drunk, Was He Handsome, and Did My Mom Give Me Hell? <laughs> Give me hell. 
So there we have it, the Turk Murphy Jazz Band from May of 1968, a little unusual band. Uh, first of all, that it featured a drummer, Smokey Stover, and we heard him well featured on that last number, the Weary Blues. We started out uh, with the Grump, <laughs> the interesting Turk Murphy original uh, featuring uh, some, some, some sort of uh, innovative uh, textures, I guess, with a, uh, an unusual piano intro and then going into a tuba and bass sax thing uh, before getting into the tune itself. And then, in the middle, we heard Pat Yankee doing her comedic best on Was I Drunk? So, hope you've enjoyed this program. This is probably some music that uh, many of you have not heard. Even some of you Turk Murphy fans might not be familiar with it. You can tell the quality is up and down. There were some unusual edits in there. These were on cassette tapes that were issued in the Boston area in the 1970s, and I think I've collected everything uh, that was done on those dates. There are uh, some tunes that were done by the local band, Sandy McCone's Golden Redeemer Jazz Band, Concord Junction Golden Redeemer Jazz Band as well. Maybe someday we'll play some of that. So, again, my name is John Clark. You're listening to the Jazz Focus Podcast. If you are in the mood and you would like to contribute to our cause here and sponsor this program, you have a little button somewhere uh, on your menu, whether you're on Anchor.fm or Spotify or one of the other fine platforms that carries the Jazz Focus. So, please do that. Please feel free to contact me as well on social media. Instagram and Facebook uh, is my band name, Wolverine Jazz Band. Let me know if you're liking these programs or if you're uh, interested in hearing some other programs and or some other focuses as well. Check out my band's website, WolverineJazzBand.com, and uh, let me know about that as well. So, thank you for joining us. Hope you uh, tune in to our next program, whatever and whenever that is. And this is John Clark saying, I'll see you on the other side.